Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. 16.11am, thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin, we will love your listing. Now, we have a very special guest. I spoke to this bloke last night and I said, look, we need a guest, we need to talk football, we need a guru. And he said, but nobody knows me. And I said, listen, Rob Hale, you are a two-time NTFL Premiership player. You've had an involvement in the AFL Under-18 State Academy. You've had a role at Waratah, who successfully made a grand final last season. You have plenty to offer. Robbie, thanks for joining us this morning. Yep. Hello, listeners. Thanks for having me on, Clarkie. Robbie, let's talk about Waratah. You stood down from the assistant coaching role a couple of weeks ago due to work commitments, but you no doubt have plenty of opinions regarding how last season's NTFL finished. They looked really good at stages, the Warriors. It was probably their best season in a couple of decades, really. They were a genuine premiership chance for a long time. Uh, but St Mary's, just such a powerful unit. It was a grand final that Waratah had their chances in. In the first quarter, they found themselves in front, but Saints are an absolute juggernaut. What do you put the grand final loss down to? Why were Waratah not able to secure premiership glory last year? I think uh, coming, I don't think anyone expected Waratahs to go as deep as we did and then obviously win through. But I think I was hoping for a bit of rain that day mm. and we didn't get it. Um, beat them in the first final. They changed their forward line, went with the two bigs and four quicks. Um, and the only side up here I've seen rotate three small quicks off um, one bloke on the bench. So our back line was very sturdy with our zone, but we weren't very quick down back. And I think that caught us out in the, in the grand final as well. And also losing uh, Munro to the Casey mm. Demons that week was really, I thought it was really poor. Um, and we sort of didn't touch on that as much, and I think that was costly. It's funny, Rob, just on that, there was hardly any talk in the media last year or any football circles about a bloke like James Munro missing the grand final. It's almost as if people do not understand how credentialed a player like that is. Munro's down there playing for the Demons at the moment in the VFL who were dominating, getting his 25, 30 touches last weekend. He was a very valuable player for Warriors last year, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I thought um, he was probably the best player on the ground. I thought our midfield were workmanlike, mm-hmm. but if we ranked our midfields, I think Saints had a better midfield. But I think any of those St Mary's midfielders, I'd take Munro ahead of any of them. Mm. Um, losing him that grand final week with Casey putting the stoppers on it, it really like, would have blown some real massive confidence into St Mary's camp, not seeing his name on the team sheet. Did the club have prior warning that Munro would be unavailable? Was this something that the club knew about all season or was it something that kind of arised around about February and March? Because clubs do need to make a very critical decision when it comes to their recruits. I know talking to some very credentialed footballers down south and they will message and say, hey, can you find me a gig in the Northern Territory? And some of these players, Rob, are ex-AFL types, but it's hard to get them a gig unless they can commit to playing in the finals. And it is hard for these clubs in the Sandville, in the VFL, in the Waffle, 
uh, to release these players for four games in, in March due to the trial games and due to preseason camps and things of that nature. Did you have fair warning over Munro and how important is it for clubs to get that right? No, I didn't really have fair warning, but I don't even think he had fair warning. Mm. Um, I think it, I spoke to Dave Barnard, and Bar- who's an assistant coach at Nycliffe, and they don't recruit blokes unless they've committed to mm. the final series. And speaking to all the senior coaches, you don't, you'll have a number of players wanting to come up, highly credentialed, but who's available finals? You need to put your best side out there. And if it's no use flying in a bloke four times or six times during the year who can't play finals unless it's you've got that room and you've got five or six very solid fly-ins which in the end Waratah sort of didn't have. Mm. I think the interesting part to me about being an NTFL supporter is the intangible stuff that people talk about with St Mary's. It's always like, well, wait till St Mary's come around in the finals or well, you're not going to beat St Mary's on grand final day because they're a five or six goal better team. Is that true? Does that exist, Robbie? I know that being at Waratah, I've known a few people at that football club and they seem to be very strong-headed in a good way individuals where they don't buy into as much of that territory talk i suppose and they think well look player for player we can match saints and we will beat them but history shows that teams always seem to either underestimate saints or saints are really just that good that you can't stop them come grand final day come the finals come the business end of the season what is it about saints and does that actually exist that intangible winning culture Actually, I do think it does. Like, um, when I went to... I played at my 80 senior games at Saints and you wouldn't dare look at Jared Eilert and Iggy Vallejo and these blokes and smile after your loss. And then going to Nycliffe when they are in that period the year later before their premierships and you'd lose and the games... People were mucking around in the change rooms and that sort of thing. It's just St Mary's always had that picture to play footy in March and would always build towards that. Um, in my f- first flag, Merv Neagle put a town ban on us in, in at Christmas time. As an 18-year-old kid, me and Shannon Rioli, it was really it was a really tough on us, but we done it. Do they work? Town bans and I things of that nature. Yeah, I don't agree with them. Um, if I was the coach of footy club, I just think if you, if your boys aren't out on the grog before a game, that's great and dull and like it is a drinking town. But let them have their Saturday, Sunday, get to rehab Monday and put in the work. Is my opinion. You probably need a little bit of that camaraderie building too. I think which happens, and we don't want to obviously drink responsibly. We don't want to say that you need to have a bunch of beers to build that team chemistry, but it certainly does help. Being a football player yourself, you would know that. Disappointing end of the season for Waratah. What do you think their main focus would have been over the off-season to try and go one better this season? I think they've got a few good recruits coming with some mm-hmm. speed. Um, but I think trying to maintain the same flying list, there could be a few Southport boys, mm-hmm. uh, Tommy Fields and those boys that might be committing to the club more so for finals. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be great for them. But they have got a few of the Southerners that aren't returning. So... Um, When I was at TARS, the recruitment side of things is really good, but the local base is just really low, and trying to recruit local boys can be difficult to TARS. Very difficult. Rob, just for our listeners that are down south who perhaps aren't as familiar with the NTFL competition, I'd like to give them a, I suppose, look at the professionalism of the competition. What does a typical week look like for an NTFL coach? Now, you have never been the senior Premier League coach. That'll happen one day. But you have spent time as an assistant coach. You spent time in the under-18s State Academy program. Do you think the professionalism of coaches, where would that rate compared to, say, 
a strong league down south, like an Ovens and Murray Football League or a Goulburn Valley Football League, we're not comparing to the state league, say VFL, Waffle, Sandville. That wouldn't be quite fair. But the NTFL competition, I think it's a great standard. Where is that professionalism in the coaches? Where does that sit right now? I think the professionalism in the coaches sits pr- uh, very low, I'd say. Mm. I think you're not as much, Dawn, you're picking your best 22. You're, you're holding a lot of politics. You're, it's crazy, um, the politics up here. It's, it's, the politics is crazy. Like, once there's certain footy clubs that won't get someone outside of their footy club to mm. coach them, and I've seen that, I've witnessed that firsthand. Um, so that's, you know, like, but sort of picking your mates and just keeping the balance of, you know, how it is up here. Mm. So... We spoke to Raph earlier about some of the recruits heading to the Darwin Buffaloes. I do want your opinion as well. Kane Riley, Liam Holt-Fitz, Coco Nicky, Don Brew, there is no doubt if all four of those are playing good football, they're going to help Buffs immensely. They perhaps need a little more than that, and they will be looking for more than that. I think Buffs need a big forward. I think a focal point up in attack would be very important. How... Do you rate the Buffaloes Football Club heading into the 2021-22 season? Sorry, 22-23 season. Gee, the years fly by, don't they, Rob? Uh, How do you rate the Buffaloes heading in? What do they need to do to be a serious contender? I asked Raph the same question. I think Buffalo's one of those sides in the comp. They're a bit like Wanderers where you could they could finish third or fourth or they could finish Wooden Spoon. Mm. Um, watching them offensively last year, they were probably in the best three sides offensively. But they did have a good structure down back, but it was sort of leaked too many goals. And you can't you, you have to be a lot more accountable. Um, I think a key forward would be great because I think every side up here is def- has a one really good key defender. Mm. Then it bats off that way. If you get a key good key forward, takes a big good key defender, then Hassan, Matt Watkins, and kick it then can be freed up a bit more. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I think a medium size and a key forward doesn't necessarily have to be 200 centimeters. Sure, they're great if they are and they can pinch it in the ruck, but just someone who's around about that 185, 190, 193 mark that can yep. bring the ball to ground and compete really hard. We've seen even a Peter McFarlane, one of the greatest uh, centre half forwards that have played in the NTFL over the past. 20 years or so, he wasn't huge. He was around about that 189 centimetres, 190 centimetres. Speaking of Peter McFarlane and some of those St Mary's legends, I want to personalise this a little bit, Robert. You are a two-time premiership player, which we've already heard about a couple of times, not from you, but from me. I want to know who some of the best players you have played with from that St Mary's team. So to give a little bit of context, St Mary's have dominated the NTFL competition for a long, long time. You played in a tremendously successful era at the Saints in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Um, I want to know what players you looked up to as a young footballer. You played in those flags when you were like 18 and 20 or something like that. Um, Who were some of the best players that you played with around that period? Uh, Probably, it might not have been the best, but Jared Eilert as Mm. a leader was my favourite player. The Bulldog. The Bulldog. So when you run out with him, like we run out against some pretty imposing sides as an 18-year-old and... Iggy Vallejo, Carl Lowe, those blokes were all jacked at this time. And so coming in, watching those guys go about their professionalism and how they go about it. And obviously I started off down the back pocket. So Johnny Anstess and Luke Stapleton looked after me a lot. And I had a big running capacity. So I got I got made to look a lot better than I was because they just fed the footy out to you. Very good players there. Yep. I'd agree. I was fortunate enough to play with some of those guys and they were... They almost seemed like the next best thing outside of the AFL, didn't they, when they were up and running? The Saints and some of the players, the way they prepare, they're all supremely fit, very dedicated, very disciplined, and it's absolutely no surprise that they've been able to achieve that level of success that they have. Robbie, 
Plenty of NT players will have their chance at silverware this weekend. Plenty of grand finals going on around the country. Let's talk first about the Cairns City Lions, who will play in the AFL Cairns grand final on the weekend. Aaron Davey has done a really good job in Cairns. He has taken the team who were the cellar dwellers, a team that really struggled for many, many years and has brought them premiership success. Now, I don't want to beat around the bush. I know that player talent is a very important thing. You can talk about taking a club from the bottom to the top and changing the culture and changing all the off-field stuff, but Aaron Davey's ability to get high-quality recruits from the NTFL has certainly helped propel Lions up the ladder in Cairns. Yep. You are a coach. If you were to enter a team, say, like North Cairns and a different team in that competition or any competition, really, it could be the NTFL, how do you take a team and do what Aaron Davey has done? How do you take a team from the bottom to the top? I think trying to outsource some young players that can de- help develop the club forward and obviously seeing what your budget is to bring in recruits in some of those leagues. Look, I just had a look at the Cairns side. They've got a fair few Darwin boys. I'd like to know how many are flying in. <laughs> There's about eight or nine on there. But... The Darwin League is a bit higher level than the uh, Cairns League, so it would be great to recruit from you know Darwin and bring those blokes over and blokes that have a connection to Cairns as well. Mm. But it is a very tricky thing to do. Like If you're doing it in the NTFL, you probably do need to poach a few players and bring those good recruits up who are 20, 21 and that you can get eight years out of um, in that aspect. Jake Long won the Cairns most valuable player award during the week. He's a very good footballer, played some great football with St Mary's, played a few games in the AFL with Essendon, the son of the great Michael Long, of course. Ashton Hams is a funny one. I love reading his stats. Every time Hams is playing in Cairns, I jump on and have a look at his stats, and I kid you not, there was a nine-count of nine games, and there was a nine-game period where he averaged, I think, 49.7 disposals. He hit the 60 mark. He hit the 50s a couple of times. That is, I don't get that much for training. And that is absolutely ridiculous yeah. what a bloke like Hand is able to do. I want to talk about Jackson Calder. So Jackson Calder has he's kicking bags in Cairns. It's nothing crazy. I think he might have kicked ten one game. He's averaging about six or seven a game. But he seems like the type of guy that could explode in a game like the grand final. I think Calder is a tremendous footballer in the NTFL. I think he's one of the best key forwards. But he's a little bit of a different type footballer. Uh, how do you compare Calder with some of the great key forwards you've seen in the NTFL? And, and what can a bloke like that do when you introduce him into a team like Cairns at an inferior competition? Yeah, I think Jackson Calder is a very unique player. Um, I think St Mary's do play into his hands a bit. They do open up the forward line. Um, I don't think I've seen anyone sort of double team or have a play with a D7, like mm. floating back and putting in through the hole. And then I've never seen, I don't think I've seen a real physical forward go mm. to him. Um, so I don't think he's had the work put into him as much. Dan O'Dwyer got him a couple of times last year, admittedly, in wet weather games. But I think you probably do have to play in front of him, cut off his lead, because um, that's his strength and he's got the big jukes and he's a bit like Miss Inspector Gadget with those, a- with those arms. Um, so that's how I'd play Jackson Calder. But Cairns is a great recruit for him. Um, open up the forward line and get the footy into him. Um, it's hard to argue. Oh, no doubt. A player like Calder, he could kick 10 this week, Robbie. Who knows? A couple of other Territory players will have big opportunities this weekend. Nigel Lockyer, he's a very talented footballer. He is the contested Mark King in the Sandful, and he will play in a grand final this weekend with North Adelaide. Have you seen much of Nigel Lockyer over the years? I know he spent some time at St Mary's while you were at... You were a St Mary's yeah. person, of course, but now spent recent years at Waratah, and Lockyer was at the club while 
while you were away. What have you seen of Lockyer? Do you think he has the talent to play at a higher level, potentially in the AFL, or has he found his ceiling perhaps as a very, very good sample player? I think he might have found his ceiling at the SANFL level, but I'd like to see him get an opportunity, you know. Like, I think athletically he's really talented. Um, and the biggest takeaway that I've got from Lockyer is that um, my, one of my best mates, Anthony Long, was on an Essendon list, and he played on Jeffy Garland. He played mm. on all these small quicks in their prime in the VFL. And he said that one of the toughest players he's played on was up here playing on Nigel Lockyer. Oh, wow. So, like, that sort of throws in that how important and tough he is. Um, and you add to that St. Mary's side, they didn't have him, they didn't have Lockie Taylor. They had a few blokes that didn't play the grand final. So yeah. if they get those guys back, geez, they're going to be very <laughs> it's a strong. scary, scary thought, Robert. <laughs> yeah. Last one that I want to mention is Big Ben Archard, the Ruckman for Darwin Buffaloes, the Northern Territory Football League representative side Ruckman. He gets to break, or the potential to break, a 30-plus year premiership drought for Kahuna Kangas in the Central Murray Football League this weekend. He has, and I don't know if this is a secret, but he has a broken thumb. So he'll be strapping that up and hoping to still get his 45, 50 hit-outs with the, the thumb in, in the padding. What do you think it would mean, Robert, for a person like Ben? It's going back to his hometown, potential to break a 30-plus year drought. I mean, it's one thing to be parochial in, in the NTFL, and, and, and my goodness, we have some parochial supporters in the NTFL, but it's a different vibe altogether when you go to a country town with about 2,000 people. Could you imagine a country town, small population, and they break a 30-plus year premiership drought? It would be rocking at Kahuna, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be massive. He'd be the king of Kahuna, Big Benny. <laughs> um, he really changed buffs last year, and mm. a couple of games against us, he single-handedly almost you know, beat us. Um, but to my surprise, no Nichols medals votes. How, don't no. know how that works. But, yeah, it's going to be massive for the town. I know a few people from Kahuna, and, yep. you know, I think that'll be great for the town to get that to get that silverware. Be huge, Robert. This is SEN Fridays at the top end, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the top end, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. We are joined by NTFL guru Robbie Hale, a two-time premiership player, a former assistant coach to a grand final team in the State Academy Under-18s program. Rob, most importantly, you are a Bombers man, and plenty, plenty is happening at the Essendon Football Club. It was a tumultuous time to end the 2022 season for the Bombers, but some big news broke earlier in the week. It was almost, not the elephant in the room, but it was almost the best-kept secret in town that James Hurd was interested in the coaching position at the Bombers. He will interview for that job, much to the controversy and the commentary of the football world. It has been the topic of the week, Rob do you agree with this move? Do you think James Hurd can coach the football club again? I think he uh, can coach the footy club, but I just don't think it's probably going to be the right decision moving forward. That's where I'm sit with it. I think there's a lot of scrutiny on footy clubs these days, and I think internally, um, I think more Bomber supporters would support it, mm. but I think we probably externally probably need to look elsewhere. So for mine, I'm thinking Adam Uze is the perfect pick. So I'm, I'm sort of hoping for Uze. James Hurd, an ex-favourite player of mine, but <laughs> I'd like to see Uze and someone outside the club given the job. Kane Corns is another who also believes that Hurd isn't a suitable option, and he did have this to say. I think there would be candidates far more suited than James Hurd. I mean, we've seen the others and how hard the other candidates have worked on their coaching. So the, the big one for me isn't necessarily the history of it, or, albeit that is the circus part that I alluded to. It's more, um, you know, the nuts and bolts of what it 
takes to coach a footy team um, and, you know, how quickly the game has moved strategically, the management side of things, the new demographic of players coming through, managing the whole football club. So I just, you know, to be out of it for that long, I know some would say that he's sort of dipped his toe back into the water this year, which which is true, but I would think the model had to be for James Heard, the Michael Boss model. Yeah, you, you, you coach, um, it doesn't end the way you would have hoped, you go back, you go to another club, you coach the midfield, you run the leadership department, you then um, manage the coaches as coaching director and you are across all facets of the football department. James Heard hasn't done the work, to put it bluntly. He hasn't done the work to um, be a viable candidate for the Essendon coaching job. And that's nothing personal. That's just the reality of it. So, yeah, I am surprised that they accepted um, a sit-down with him. Um, and, yeah, I don't think it's going to go too far. I suppose, Rob, it isn't surprising, though, that a player like James Hurd or a coach like James Hurd is being considered he is an absolute legend of the football club. When James Hurd knocks on the door, someone answers, and that's exactly what's happened here. Tim Watson is another who is not surprised. Obviously, his son, Job, was really heavily involved in the supplement scandal. He lost his Brownlow medal. And Tim Watson, the father of Job, was not surprised that Hurd is getting looked at. I'm not surprised at all that they would interview him if he had put his name, if he had put his hand up and said, yes, I do want to be interviewed. I do want to go through the process. That didn't surprise me at all. Is there too much baggage, I suppose, is the question for someone like him. Is, is, just too, is there just too much to carry back into the club? Well, there, there, is, there is that, but I think this process is, if it's set up correctly, and there's no reason to believe that it's not set up correctly, then they're always going to, if he put his hand up and said that he wanted to be interviewed and want to be part of the process, then given his unique connection to the SM Football Club, I would have thought they're always going to interview him. Mm. That doesn't mean to say he's going to get the job. He's got to go through the process like everybody else. And But just thinking, like, he hasn't coached since 2015. He wasn't a successful coach back then when he did coach, although there were these unusual circumstances around all that. But... Maybe, you know, the sum of his experiences that he's had away from the game since then and what he's been doing um, has allowed him, I don't know, maybe to develop a unique set of man management skills and, like, he's a super intelligent bloke and all that would be unveiled through the interviewing process. So it gives that group somebody else to interview but also somebody else to measure the other candidates against um, we know that he hasn't coached since 2015. Yeah. It's a long time to be out of the game, but then he got back at GWS and put his feet under the desk a little bit on a part-time basis, so he probably has picked up on the mechanic. Like, he's a super intelligent bloke. Rob, interesting that you said that Adam Uze, for you, is the front-runner because appointing Adam Uze, for me, almost seems like we're just putting the club back in the same direction it was when they appointed Ben Rutten, a new coach that had a pretty good history as an assistant, uh, but still untried at that senior coaching level. When Bombers announced that they were sacking Rutten, I think that most people assumed that they would be looking at a mature option. They didn't get Alistair Clarkson. They lost that tug-of-war to the North Melbourne Football Club, and they weren't able to get a Ross Lyon or a Brad Scott. So what difference would Uze make to, say, a Ben Rutten? I think it's just having a new set of eyes um, and ears coming into the footy club. I think Essendon have been cr- criticised previously about being very internal, um, and I think maybe Rutten was a bit 
coming from another club and coming from the Crows and Richmond and other, so not being a Bombers person, I think he wore the brunt of that. But I think as a club moving forward, we need to really embrace the new idea coming in. Um, worst fault on the way out also gave him a whack saying that Bombers fans were pretty ungrateful and didn't understand anymore how, you know, to be successful. So I think a fresh, fresh person coming in would be great. I agree. I think it would be good to have a fresh set of eyes, but sometimes we've seen, and you mentioned NTFL clubs are like this sometimes, but you need to be an internal person. I know Kevin Sheedy was a Tiger, but he was there for so long, and it seems like after that we've just had a bit of a revolving door of coaches. Does the next coach, can that be a Bombers person, or do you think the club specifically needs to go outside of that? Uh, no, I'd probably give Dean Solomon a go um, as well. Uh, Dean Solomon, um, from all reports, has good credentials outside um, of what he's done. Um, and he's kept constant with his coaching. So I think there's been word on Dean Solomon, but I think Solomon and Yuse would be the two options. And Yuse has been under some very good coaches. Robbie, in 20 seconds, mate, the Bombers playing list, Do are they as good as what people think? Do they deserve to be in 16th position? Can they contend for the finals as early as next year with some fresh blood? I think so. Um, I think, yeah, I think we are in that window still. I expect finals next year. Um, just a bit of a drop-off with a younger list this year. Thanks very much, Robbie Hale. Great to have your insights, mate. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on board. Thanks, listeners. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.